Welcome to Speaking of Grace, the weekly message podcast from the Whole Life Church in Orlando, Florida. We're a multi-ethnic, multicultural, and multi-generational congregation committed to our mission of loving people into a lifelong friendship with God. We are committed to our vision of being a church without walls, fully engaged in serving the people of our community. Thank you for joining us as we continue Speaking of Grace. Hey there, family. Oh, okay. It's all right. There's been so much good stuff, you're just taking it all in. I get it. It's a good Sabbath, huh? Yeah, it's a great Sabbath. Glad you're here. Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the chance to be together. And we claim that promise where you said that if two or three are gathered in your name, you're there with them. We feel the Holy Spirit here in our midst. We felt it through the music. We felt it as we met a new part of our pastoral team. We felt it as we saw Gina being baptized. And now, Lord, as, as I get up to say a few words, I just want to pray that you would speak. I pray that as I talk about your kingdom, I would not misrepresent it in any way. And I pray that those who are here would hear the good news of the kingdom and know how to apply that to their life. We pray in your name. Amen. Amen. So uh, we are wrapping up our four-part. It's supposed to be a five-part, but Ian messed that up. If you don't know Ian, where have you been? Um, but uh, Ian messed things up for us, so we only got four instead of five. And this is the final question in the series. Remember, you asked these questions. And so this is your final question I just love this. By the way, you guys ask the best questions. This is the final question. What is the kingdom of God? Jesus says it's like, and then tells a parable. He actually tells a lot of parables. He says a lot of different parables that the kingdom is like this, like that. It's a lot of parables. Scripture says it's in you. It's among us. It's coming. It's here. So what does Jesus mean when he says the kingdom of God? Can I just say? Great question. Let's see if we can get down to it. So the first thing we probably ought to do is define what a kingdom is. And, you know, like all of you, when I need to know something, I go to Google. So I typed in define kingdom. And Google said, Oxford Languages says that a kingdom is a country, state, or territory ruled by a king or queen. Now, that didn't surprise me. That made sense to me. But the second one surprised me. I did not expect in a secular dictionary to get this particular definition. Why? Because it really matches up well with the definition that I'm going to ask you to think of today when we talk about kingdom. The spiritual reign or authority of God. So here's one of the first things that I think we have a little bit of a misconception when we start talking about the kingdom of God. There are usually two camps, and I'm just going to use the two extreme camps. Is that okay? Because it just makes it easier and my reporter background likes easy. So we're going to go extremes, okay? So the first extreme is the kingdom of God is a country that's waiting to happen, like with literal boundaries. Like, it, it was like you know, like somebody saying the United States is a Christian nation and we need to go ahead and put Christ into all of our legislation and force everybody to be Christians. That would be one kingdom of God. That's, the, that's an extreme position. But, and then that kingdom is there to enforce and grow and expand. And the kingdom of God will become this worldwide kingdom here on earth. That would be one extreme example. 
of the kingdom of God. So that's one side of it. Now there's the other camp that says the other thing. The other camp says, no, 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 no. Kingdom of God has nothing to do with this earth. Kingdom of God happens when we go to heaven. When Jesus comes the second time, that's the kingdom of heaven. So you'll not be surprised when I tell you I don't agree with either one of those. Neither one of those is correct. And I hope to be able to show you from the Bible why I believe that. So when Jesus uses the word kingdom and when it appears in the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those are the gospels. And then it appears in some other places in the New Testament. By the way, this kingdom word, um, kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, which Matthew, Matthew, the gospel writer, for whatever reason, Matthew is an accountant. So he liked using different terms sometimes. So he'd say kingdom of God, sometimes say kingdom of heaven, other times. And he really was using them pretty interchangeably for the most part. They kind of meant the same thing. But Matthew, out of the gospel writer, says kingdom of heaven sometimes, but kingdom of God. Gospels use those over 80 times. So this is a big concept. It's an important one. So when that word is used, this is, this is the, uh, the word that's used. Say it with me. No, I'm kidding. We're not going to do that. So this is the word that's used. This is from Strong's Concordance. You can find it online. Um, great resource, great tool if you're trying to understand some of the original language that's used in the Bible. What I really want you to take off of this slide is just that little bottom part. We tend to often think of kingdom in terms of a geographical area, but that is almost always not what the gospels mean when they use the word kingdom. Instead, they mean authority, authority. So it would be a king's authority, right? So if you live in a kingdom, you're under the authority of the king or queen. You are under their authority. So it, it extends sometimes beyond the edges of the kingdom. If the subjects go to another place, it can do this. So my daughter and son are home visiting me, so I want to uh, make them sorry they came home to visit. So stand up really quick for me, right? I did ask them for permission before I did this. Okay, I really did, I promise. So, yeah. Um, so... Uh, so Kyle is at Southern Adventist University. Eric goes to school in North Carolina, a school that I graduated called Fletcher Academy. And so they're, yeah, okay, cool. Um, so <laughs> we don't have a, a, a mascot or I would like say something where there was no mascot from Fletcher. So there you go. Anyway, so here's the thing. These are my kids. <laughs> For uh, Eric just turned 17 this week. Yeah, Kyla, yeah, cool. So Kyla's 18. So at 18, technically, Kyla is an adult. Eric, you got one more year. You're still under my authority. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit rougher than it used to be. Uh, the wrestling gets a little harder, uh, Orlando, as you get a little older. Anyway, um, and so here's the thing, though. What do you think I really want? Do you think I want to keep these two under my authority for the rest of their lives? Or do you think that I want... The reason why I had authority, the reason I have authority in their lives, the reason I exercise authority in my kids' lives was because I wanted them to learn a certain set of values. Does this make sense? And so my joy, and Kyle and Eric, I'll let you sit down. Um, my joy is when I see and hear stories from Southern Adventist University or Fletcher Academy where I see my children putting the values that I taught them into action when they are not in a position where I can force, where I'm forcing, but they just do it because it's something that 
has become a part of who they are. Are we holding on to this a little bit? So God's kingdom or authority, do you think that God wants to exercise authority over you? Or do you think that he wants his values, the authority of those, those values inside of you? So let's talk about that a little bit more. Jesus is before Pilate. And Pilate says, you need to pay attention to me because I have authority over you. Don't you know? And Jesus responds, he says, you know, no, you don't. I'm a king. And Pilate goes, oh, yeah, we're not done. where's your kingdom at? And Jesus says, my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it were, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders. But my kingdom is not of this world. There are two points I really want you to take out of this one. The first part is my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. Otherwise, my, my, my followers would fight. My kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. So the, thing, the first thing I want you to take away from this is that Jesus' intention was not at that time, nor is it at this time, to create a nation state. He wanted to do something harder. He wanted to create a kingdom that was not like this world's kingdoms. You guys remember a little story? It's found in Daniel chapter 2. There's this guy named Nebuchadnezzar. He's a king. He has a dream. He sees this statue. Has a bunch of different metals in it. Doesn't know what it means. He invites Daniel, a great Jewish prophet, to come help him out with it. Daniel explains the dream. He says, these are all kingdoms. You're the first one. There's going to be a bunch that come after you. But in the dream, that's not all the dream is. It's not just a statue. Sometimes we forget. It's not just about a statue. It's what happens at the end that really matters. You see, at the end, there's this rock that's cut out with no hands. And it comes and it smashes that, that statue into smithereens and then grows up into a mountain. Why am I telling you? You're like, okay, you can really switch gears on me fast, Ken, because we're talking about you now. We're Daniel, where are we at? Here's what I want you to think about when it says, my kingdom is not of this world. The second part of it is, so we're not talking about a nation state, but we're also not talking about a kingdom that does things the way that earthly kingdoms do things. So it's not just about the fact that it's not a nation state. It's that this kingdom is completely different than any kind of authority you can imagine in a earthly sense of authority. Why do I say that? Well, think about it. What do a statue and a mountain have in common? Not a lot. And that's the point. When that rock comes and crushes that statue, it grows up into a mountain that looks nothing like that statue. And if you want God's kingdom in you, you can't be thinking that you're going to model it off of some earthly leadership dynamic, some earthly way of having a kingdom. You have to think differently. So how do I want you to think differently about it? The first thing I want to suggest to you about the character of God's kingdom is that it is a kingdom of submission. Oh, I don't like that. Do you like that? I don't like that. But I got to tell you what the Bible has to say. I have to tell you the truth. It is a kingdom of submission because that's the way all kingdoms work. You're like, okay, but you just got done saying earthly kingdoms are different. Well, God's going to help you with this little metaphor here in a second. It is a, this, look at what Jesus has to say. This is Jesus' initial evangelistic message. Short, concise, and to the point. Repent of your sins, turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. 
So if you wanna know what it looks like to have the kingdom of heaven nearer to you, you need to repent. What does that mean? I wanna use this simple word, submit. Means to change from looking one way to looking the other way. Sometimes we get a little confused about what it means to be saved. We think, well, I need to do good works. Nope, you just need to change the way you're looking. You need to stop looking at you. You need to start looking at Jesus. And that's what Gina represented today when she went into the water. She symbolized death to living for herself, coming up into a new life where she lives for Christ. And that's what baptism is a symbol of. So Jesus' first message is, hey, if you want to be near to the kingdom, you've got to submit to God. You've got to repent. And then he clarifies a little bit more in Matthew 6. Seek first God's authority. See how I substitute the word authority for kingdom? Seek first God's authority and his righteousness and everything else will be provided to you. Our first goal in the kingdom of God, if you want the kingdom of God in you, is to be asking God, what's your will? Because God will take care of everything else. The final text I want to share with you in, in this understanding of this submission to God's authority and power is this. Jesus says this, Matthew 7, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Remember, we said those could be used interchangeably, kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. Sometimes we take this text and we, we, we apply it to the future. We say, only the people are going to get into heaven who do God's will. Can we think a little bit bigger than that? I know as human beings, we're all about the, about the reward at the end, right? But what if this text is actually asking you to do something bigger and harder? What if this text is saying, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will submit to God's authority, but only those who do God's will are actually entering into that kingdom authority in their life. So in other words, this takes care of all of those of you who get frustrated with the people who say, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, and then they go out and they be nasty. You know what I'm talking about? And Jesus is saying, not everybody says, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, is a Christian. Only those who are submitting their self to God's authority are actually in the kingdom now. I said it, kingdom now. The kingdom is near you, the kingdom is in you, the kingdom is coming the kingdom is now. We are not waiting for a kingdom to come. The kingdom is here. It is now. It is near you. And if you allow it, it will be in you. And when it is in you, it will inspire you to do the will of God. Don't you think this nation would change a lot quicker if Christians acted like Christians rather than telling other people to act like Christians? And let's go ahead and talk about what the will of God is. You see, it's a kingdom of agape authority. Wait, wait a minute. I use that word agape because when we use the word love, we get a little confused. Sometimes if I, use, if I said loving authority, you say, oh, so it's a mamby-pamby, uh, kind of soft, kind of weak. There's nothing weak about love. Self-sacrificing love is the hardest thing you will ever try to accomplish in your life, and I promise you, you will never accomplish it without the Holy Spirit living in you. Because we all have this tendency to want to want what we want. My wife asked me this last week. Why'd you do that? You knew that wasn't something that would make me happy. 
And I had, a, I, I had a lot of excuses until I went and sat down and thought, and I finally came back and I said, I did it because I wanted what I wanted. Too much confession? Sorry. <laughs> I'm not perfect, and it's just good that you understand that. Jesus has this conversation with a religious leader, expert on the law. The expert of law is testing him and says, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And the second is exactly like it, love your neighbor as yourself. The scribe says, hey, expert says, hey, you're right, can't argue with that. And then Jesus says these words, realizing how much the man understood, Jesus said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of heaven. If you want to be not far from the kingdom of heaven, you need to understand that loving God with everything you have and loving your neighbor, and by the way, Jesus defined neighbor. We remember that, right? Remember there's a story? Your neighbor is not just the person you like that's sitting next to you. It's the person that annoys you. It's the person who's been mean to you. It's being even the person who's been cruel to you. Loving your neighbor is loving that person. Love God with everything you have and love your neighbor as yourself. Again, agape, selflessly love that person. By the way, that's why boundaries are okay because sometimes the selfless thing to do is to have a boundary and say, hey, that behavior is not okay and there's gotta be some consequences and that's okay. That's still loving as long as it's loving. You following me? Okay. All right, so she said, you're not far from the kingdom. Why is he not far from the kingdom? Because you gotta do more than understand that you've actually gotta invite it in. You've got to say, I want that kingdom inside me. What's that kingdom look like? Well, Jesus said, those who are last will be first and those who are first will be last. That's completely different than the kingdoms on this earth, right? If you're the leader, there's some perks to that, right? If you're in charge, there's some perks to that. It's the way that leadership works here on earth. I bet you your boss has a better view than you do in the office, most offices. I have a better view than most of, most of the people on my staff, but that's only because Andy chose that. That wasn't me, so no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Um, but right, leadership has perks. When you're a leader, there are people there to help you because you're in charge. But that's not the way it's supposed to be in God's kingdom. And unfortunately, even here on earth, some of us who follow Jesus sometimes forget that. In God's kingdom, the person who's the most selfless is first. Whoever wants to be first must take, the, take last place and be the servant of everyone else. That's what agape authority looks like. It's not an authority that forces itself. It's an authority that rather loves and inspires action through that love. And what is love? You guys, you know, you're getting tired of this. I preach on this all the time. I use this text so much, right? First Corinthians 13, four through seven, you get it already, right? Yeah, well, then why aren't you living it perfectly? We're gonna keep talking about it. I'm not living it perfectly. I gotta be reminded of this. If there is a core to what you're gonna hear me preach over and over and over again, it's this. This is what love looks like. See it up on the screen? That's what love is. It doesn't rejoice about injustice. It rejoices when the truth wins, doesn't give up, doesn't lose faith. That's the agape authority that I'm talking about. It's God's authority, and that's what God's wanting from you. That's what it means for his kingdom to be in you. Now, a few of you are, are feeling a little overwhelmed at the moment. You're saying, I'm, I'm, I'm so far from that. That is not who I am. 
Well, my question for you, is that what you want? That's what I want. And I got to tell you, I mess up all the time. But here's the good news for you. The next characteristic that I want you to understand about God's kingdom is that God's kingdom is a growing kingdom. I'm not talking about growing numbers. I'm talking about what it's doing inside of you. In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus says the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. It's the smallest of plants, and yet it grows into the largest of outdoor plants. Jesus is using hyperbole to make a point. When Gina got baptized this morning, we were not celebrating her retirement. We were celebrating new birth. And we all know that when you're a baby, you've got a lot of life left to live. You've got a lot of things to learn. You've got a lot of things that you're gonna do. And so the good news about the kingdom of God is if it feels small in your heart, that's okay. If you're imperfect, that's okay. Why? Because if you want it in your heart and if you've invited the kingdom into you, God promises the Holy Spirit is going to water that seed and it will grow. Moreover, he promises that it's going to be like yeast. It's going to start permeating every part of your body. That yeast starts off in one part of the dough, but when God starts to knead that dough, it hurts a little bit, but it starts getting worked into every part of your life. And so for those of you who are a little afraid that, that God hasn't found his way into your marriage, you know what I'm talking about? Because you're nice to the people out in public, but in, in your marriage, not so much. Or maybe you're not treating your kids the way you wished, or maybe you're not treating your parents the way you wished, or maybe you're not treating your dog the way you wished. Whatever it is, I've got good news for you. If you've invited the kingdom in, don't worry about the size. God will take care of the growth and it will grow and it will expand. And just like any other kind of growth, it can feel non-existent in the moment. Eric, stand up one more time. Does this kid look a little different than the kid that was introduced to you a year and a half ago? To me, he's grown a ton and he's changed. He's becoming a man. It's scary. It's scary. You can sit down. <laughs> Again, I asked for permission. I asked for permission. It's all good. Don't, don't feel uncomfortable. It's okay. <laughs> Eric looks different than he did a year and a half ago, but he didn't notice it in any given day. It's only when you look back at the pictures. The kingdom will do that in your life too. You just have to invite it in. As I close, this is a scripture I want to share with you. In Mark 9, Jesus is talking to his disciples. and He says, I tell you the truth, some standing here right now will not die before they see the kingdom of God arrive in great power. This is a problematic verse for those who believe that the kingdom of heaven is when Jesus finally arrives because all those people are dead now and they did not see Jesus' second coming. So what happens is, as theologians, we come along, we still look at that Mark 9, we say, well, this is easy to explain. If you just continue on in that chapter, Jesus goes up on a mountain with his three best disciples, and he is transfigured. In other words, his appearance is changed, and Moses and Elijah come and stand beside him. It's this amazing moment. And so that's what that scripture is talking about, that they saw the kingdom of God arrive in great power. I'd like to say, yes. And I don't believe that was the greatest power. Jesus' transfiguration wasn't the greatest 
sign or the greatest power that the kingdom would do. The kingdom arriving in its greatest power was Jesus Christ spreading his arms in submission to his father on the cross and dying. And when they watched that act of power, that kingdom power happening with Jesus, they were alive to see that. The greatest power in the kingdom is when you and I spread our arms and say, God, what do you want to do with me? How do you want to grow me? That's having the kingdom right here in you. So today, for some of you, this is the first time you've thought about allowing God to have control of you and to give him permission to be in you, to have that kingdom in you. And as I preach this message, I want you to know that Jesus' words are true. The kingdom is near you right now. The Holy Spirit is here working on your heart and the kingdom is near you. So the next question becomes, will you allow that kingdom into your heart? There are many of you here today who have invited the kingdom into your heart. You've invited God into your heart. You want his authority in you. And for those of you who have invited the kingdom into you, the kingdom is in you. And for all of us who have the kingdom in us, we are looking forward to the day that Paul talked about when he said that I am convinced that he who began this good work in you will be faithful to see it to completion on the day of his return. When the kingdom comes in its perfection. But never doubt for a moment that all three of those statements are true. The kingdom is near you. The kingdom is in you. And the kingdom is coming. If you will only put it where it belongs. Right here. Hi, this is Randy McGray, podcast producer and host here at Whole Life Church. Loving people into a lifelong friendship with God is our mission at the Whole Life Church and our podcasts, Speaking of Grace, and its companion, 15 with Andy, Randy, and Jeff, are designed to help facilitate conversations that help us grow together in that pursuit. Now that you've heard the message for this week, don't forget to check out the Whole Life Takeaways for this message. Swipe up in today's show notes and join the conversation. Speaking of conversations, each Wednesday morning we take a closer look at the week's message. That's right, the one you just listened to. We discuss practical ways to apply spiritual lessons and ask honest questions about the issues we face as Christians, all focused through the lens of grace. Your voice is a welcomed addition to that conversation. We encourage your thoughts and your questions by sending a voicemail or text to 407-965-1607 or send an email to podcast at wholelife.church. You can find everything podcast-related on our website, wholelife.church church slash podcast and plan on spending every Tuesday evening and Wednesday morning with us as we bring you the whole life church inspiration you love straight into your headphones thanks for listening and have a great week